0: the first episode of retrovaniacs of 2022 as always i'm Jerry parmentier here with billy holiday hello there and jeremy gregory Hey, guys. And we're all back for another year. Uh, you know, last year, while it was pretty miserable for most of the world, I think it was actually really <laughs> good for Retrovaniacs. Uh, we, we covered a lot of good games. We had a lot of listener uh, mail, a lot of listener requests. We, we went to three episodes uh, on our bonus feed for our patrons. I mean, we, d- we did a lot last year, but we also played a ton of games. So instead of talking about what you've been playing recently, although maybe we've had a time to, uh, if you had to pick one or two games either that we played or that you played in general last year, like what would be your favorite games of last year.
1: Oh, man, that's... <sighs> Are we all going to just say Metroid and Psychonauts 2? Uh, Is that, like, I actually, unanimous? I, I,
0: I was going to talk about them, but at the same time, I was like, I, I already talked about Psychonauts 2, I think, 14 times last year. So oh, I was just going to mention it, them once, but I had some other games in
1: mind that were also very Yeah, they there were, for me, it, it was a weird year last year. Uh, it, it doesn't help that we're entering, what, the second shit year in a row. Um, in general, uh, and I, I've had a lot of, lot of shakeups, a lot of big life changes, you know, personally and professionally. So it's like I, I felt like I was having a hard time really sitting down and focusing on on one particular game. But I, I, there was some good stuff last year. I, I really loved that Metroid Dread um, a lot, and you know, and I'm a Metroid fan, but I'm not a big one. But I, that one, whew, that one will make a big one out of you. But it's just, I, I, you know, playing around and looking around, I, I got a lot of little things last year that, you know, I was looking forward to. But a lot of them were in the remake department. Like, uh, I think top of last year, we got that Scott Pilgrim. And, you know, it came it came back around. You can play it on the damn Switch. The, you know, just, just handheld. Uh, and I was back playing that thing just like I did when it was first released. Uh, I was really happy to see that. You know, I got my Alan Wake remake last year. Uh, which is phenomenal. I, I know it wasn't released last year, but uh, Jeremy had been telling me all about it, that, that game control. And I finally played that, you know, last year, early on last year for the first time. And while it wasn't a release then, it is probably one of my favorite things that I did play over the course of last year. Absolutely uh, just an amazing game. Um <sighs> But there's so many. Now that I was thinking, no, we were going into this episode and I knew we were going to talk about this. I was like, did anything even fucking come out last year? And then then it kind of flooded to me. Yeah, I mean, between remakes and, you know, a couple of great, uh, you know, kind of Nintendo titles and that that Psychonauts 2, which I didn't know how I was going to feel about that uh, based on how the how the first one shit out on me at the very end. Um, and that, uh, I hooked up with you, and, and then I, I fizzled out, because I'm not a very reliable friend, but I even really like that fucking Monster Hunter that hit the Switch also. I have continued to play that. Um, but I, I, last year was a decent one for games. Final Fantasy VII Remake was fucking hot shit. Was that last year? I'm, see, the years are running together now, is another issue. That was the year um, before. F- oh my god, that's sad. <laughs> Oof. Let's uh next one of you go. I'm going to go mute for a little bit and, you know, have a little sob.
0: That's, uh, you know, I'm glad you brought up Monster Hunter. That was if you look at my playtime, that's easily the game I played the most last year. Uh, that and, and Animal Crossing, sadly enough. But uh but I played a, a ton of Monster Hunter Rise. I don't think, you know, I keep looking back on it. I'm like, was it as good as Monster Hunter World for me? Uh, only because I had never really played a Monster Hunter and understood it, and Worlds where it first clicked, and I put in you know three hundred something hours on that over a couple of years with that full expansion, uh, Monster Hunter Rise. I'm already about one hundred and sixty hours. I've beaten everything you can beat pretty much. I've gone all the uh, the weekly. They do optional missions that come out. Sometimes you get you know a new emote or something, but uh, I do all those too. And then there's a, a full expansion coming this year that I'm very excited about. So Monster Hunter Rise definitely. Um, you know, obviously Metroid Dread and Psychonauts two. Like I mentioned, we've talked about those many times. Excellent games. Uh, the one, uh, the one game I think I played, enjoyed the most that we covered on this podcast, you know, looking back at what we've done, uh, I don't know how I didn't play Castlevania Aria of Sorrow until it was requested this year, this past mm-hmm. year. And that's another one. Like, I, I love that start to finish. It makes me want to go back and play all the Castlevania, um, Game Boy Advance and, and DS games I didn't play. Cause that was so good. And, and so I've started playing those two. That was an excellent choice and a, and a great patron pick. Uh, and, and the other game I'd say, I, I had to think about what else that I played last year and look at when when things came out. Ease nine for the PlayStation Four. Uh, it's mm-hmm. definitely still a game that I can see why people might not be into it, but man, once I got into it and got past like the intro dungeon, I could not put it down. And uh, and I love that series. I love those characters. So it, it was a, a great year for that. And hopefully, Ease ten shows up uh, sometime in the next couple of years. Uh, but Jeremy, what what could you think of when you think of last year as a positive uh, gaming a- event?
2: Uh, well, I mean, playing through Final Fantasy fourteen easily took up the first quarter of the year by itself. Uh, I I had a, a hell of a time playing through that. I loved it. I loved every bit of it besides some of the, the backtracking and going back and forth, you know, what your typical MMOs do. But man, the, that story and, and even the characters, eventually, they, they grow on you like any anime does. But it was just, it was so good all the way to the end. And I can't wait to, to sit down and have some time to finally play in Walker, which I'd I'm putting off because I know I'm just going to get absorbed right back into it, and mm. then that's going to become my full-time job again. But otherwise, like I played uh, Ratchet & Clank uh, for the PS5. That was a great mm. game. And then Psychonauts 2, which was also an amazing game. That was easily my game of the year, uh, both story and, and gameplay-wise.
3: Mm.
2: It was just it's just so good. It, it was like going back in time and playing a game that I really loved from back in, like, you know the early 2000s or something, late 90s. It was it was just great and so well written and all the characters. Like I still remember stuff from that game, but I'll be damned if I can remember much of anything from Ratchet and Clank. <laughs> but besides that, I just got done beating uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy game on uh, on Xbox, and that's yeah, actually yeah. really good. It's it's not perfect, you know. It's it's very much in the vein of kind of like a Mass Effect kind of thing. It's like an action RPG, but uh you know it's it's more focused i guess on the action and story than what mass effect was only downside to it is what what did i what year was it that i gave borderlands three uh the most talkingest game of the year award i think that was like back in 2017 this one easily won it for 2021 whoa because these these guys will not stop talking they just yeah. <laughs> i never there are times where i'm just like shut up up like the, there's line there's so many lines of dialogue recorded this has to be some sort of world record there's there's so much recorded that they're just in inter- constantly interrupting each other to where like lines are just bleeding in on other things and then it like gives you mm-hmm. a a thing to you know respond with and you're just like which one am I even responding to there's just so much constantly being said in that game that's probably the only thing I can really say negative about it Um, But I also uh, just got done with uh, Forza, the new Forza Forza Horizon 5. And that's really good, too. It didn't hit me quite like uh, 4 did, but 5 is really good. I I, I still just enjoy playing that game, and it it relaxes me. I like driving games. They relax Mm -hmm. me. So it it was a good time. If there was, I I don't know if there was a game that I'm just like, wow, I'm so glad we covered that. But I know one that I'm, I, I wish we hadn't. And if you go back and listen to it, you can easily tell why. Uh, uh, the Grinch on Game Boy Color. We just got <laughs> done with that one. I don't think I have ever been rendered completely speechless by a game <laughs> before. And you, it was, it that one was the hardest podcast I've ever had to get through. Even though it was only like 20 minutes or something, I, I just every minute felt like an hour. Yeah, that was uh, 2021. was was all right. Uh, we got you know you were talking about Final Fantasy VII remake. We did get Intergrade uh, in 2021. I did play through that, and that's really good. That was like the the Yuffie mission that they added on to to remake mm-hmm. and got released for PS5 and stuff like that. So uh, it was good as well. And and just you know little things here and there, but those were the major games that that dominated my time through the year. It was a, it was a decent year, even though it felt like I didn't play much, just because Final Fantasy XIV ate up. A lot of time. A whole lot of time.
0: Well, and if it wasn't that, we, we cover five games a month now, essentially, or, or four mm. games in a movie or something, depending on what that fifth bonus show, or fifth episode bonus show is. So a lot of the time, looking back at what I did this year, I was like, oh yeah, I, we played through 52 games. I would forgotten. <laughs> because yeah. I don't consider the podcast games like, oh yeah, I was playing that game. Like I can't sort of like, That's, it's for work. I'm doing it for work, even though I enjoy all of these games. But enough about last year it's time to talk about this year by talking about a game that came out 20 plus years ago as we do every year Uh, our first game of 2022 is a patron request from our patron tom and he wants us to cover deus ex the conspiracy for the playstation 2 So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, this is a patron pick, and this was picked by Tom over on our Patreon. Again, if you'd like to pick a game, the best way to do that is to join our Patreon. So Tom, welcome to the show. Hiya, yeah. How's it going? It's going great. Uh, I'm very excited you picked this game. This is a series I'm not familiar with at all. This is the first time i played any of the Deus Ex games. So I guess I have to ask, why did you pick Deus Ex for us to cover?
3: Uh, It's a bit of a classic, isn't it? You know... It's got a lot of PC heritage, but I think the port on the PS2 is uh, overlooked in many regards. So, uh, yeah, I've just got fond memories of playing it. I think it's a game that I did buy twice. I was very lucky enough to have a PS2 and a PC back in the day, growing up. And I think I did buy it again on the PS2, to just to see how it was different and to see if there was anything new to it. And there is a couple of things that are different compared to the PC version.
0: Uh, Yeah, when I mentioned to uh, Jeremy and Billy that we're going to be covering this, they both were like, well, we don't do a lot of PC games. I'm like, well, we're going to cover the PS2 version. They said, we're going to play the PC version. We've already finished it several times, and we'll just talk about the differences. (laughs) I'm playing the PS2 version, so I'm not familiar with the PC version at all. I can see this is a very PC-feeling game, and we're going to get into the specifics throughout the episode on that. But I think the PS2 port of this is, I mean, if I wouldn't have known it's a PC game, I would have thought, okay, this is based on something that someone played on PC. But it, it plays very well on the PS2, I think.
3: Yeah, I think the only kind of crucial difference is the, you know, the size of the worlds do get chopped down by loading screens, but other than that, everything's still there, the story's intact, I believe it's still the same length, and there's a couple of improvements there with the uh, kind of CG cutscenes at the start, and also with the free engines as well.
0: Yeah, I knew they added some cutscenes, and, and um, they, they had to kind of re- retool the maps for, for PlayStation compatibility, but I mean... Honestly, it's still fairly good-sized areas. I mean, there's some loading, but it's not offensive. And, uh, and so we're, we're going to get into the specifics on that with, uh, with Jeremy and Billy as well. But uh, I'm glad to see you played it on both, and you did like the PS2 version, because I'm quite enjoying it so far. Um, so have you played some of the later games in this series?
3: Yeah, I'm a big fan of the series. Uh, obviously, Invisible War, you know, kind of a bit hit and miss. Uh, you know, there's not much really you can say about it, you know, when the, the bar was set so high by the first one. But uh, mankind divided, uh, human revolution. you know, I think they're great games of like this generation, really. You know, they kind of take a lot of the uh, DNA from this first game, really kind of expand on it. Uh, it's just that st- the story seemed to go uh, what's the word? Kind of a bit not as concentrated. I felt like uh, mankind divided kind of threw away a lot of its ideas. Uh, that he kind of uh, led with in the marketing of it. I mean, you look at any trailer from uh, before that game came out and then you play the actual game, a lot of stuff just doesn't seem to be, uh, you know, there, you know, story-wise. And it kind of made it a bit like, oh, a bit in luster in a sense. But yeah, uh, it's a great series.
0: Yeah, th- I'm not familiar with the later games, but after playing this, I definitely want to check them out. This This first game reminds me a lot of I, I guess maybe earlier this year or maybe even last year, we had covered Siphon Filter uh, for the PlayStation 1. And there were a lot of problems with Siphon Filter, but it had kind of this same feeling of story where you have kind of a starting mission that builds into these other missions. But everything this game's doing where, you know, to get information from people to actually have some kind of puzzle solving, Siphon Filter did horribly. This is kind of taking that same idea and and really making it what you kind of think Siphon Filter was aiming for, like less action and more, um, more actual, uh, you know, trying to, to to solve the mission and try to work out how to, to do this in a, in a more thoughtful way than uh, than just running in guns blazing. Although you can do that in this game, and I'll be honest, there's a lot of levels where I have just run in once I got a shotgun, I was like, I'm just going to kill everybody. I know that's not what I'm going to want, and I do get lectures when I get back to uh, to the headquarters, but but it's some of the levels, it's much easier to cover that way.
3: Yeah, the games just give you a lot of choice. It is, uh, you know, it does take a lot of key elements from RPGs and kind of Really, you know, uh, folds them into an FPS quite well. You know, they're not kind of stuck out like a sore thumb. I mean, the kind of the first, the first choice in the game when you talk to your brother Paul Denton is uh, kind of sets it up like, oh, you know, I'm going to give you the choice of these free weapons, these free loadouts, and that kind of determines your playstyle, and it kind of uh, re, kind of really kind of makes you think, oh well, how should I approach this? Because uh, at the start, you're just on this dock. You don't know what you're going to face. So that choice is like, oh, well, I need to play to the strengths of what I picked. And I don't think you really get that in many RPGs in a sense of like, you know, you can kind of like min-max some things, but not in a gameplay element, I don't think.
0: Yeah, definitely not one that's this style of, of game. It has RPG elements, definitely, but it's it's... It's that first-person shooter almost, uh, you know, I, I, I said Psychon before, I think it's accurate, or Metal Gear, you know, one of those style of games, but it has a much heavier, uh, a much heavier set of, of more RPG interactions with, you know, trying to actually talk to people and doing, you know, almost side missions for them sometimes to get the information you need. I, I'm really enjoying that uh, compared to, you know, another more action-y take on this same thing. This is done really well. Um, I know you said you played it on both PS2 and PC. Which would you say is the preferred way to play this?
3: Uh, I would say PC at the moment. I mean, there's there's still mods being made for it now. I think I read somewhere last month or the month before that they've uh, there's a mod out there for the PC version where you can play as a totally voiced female version of JC Denton. So there there's a lot of great things you can do to the PC version. Uh, and it, again, it is the same experience. You know, uh, well a better experience without the loading screens and that. You get a more kind of a more modern fluid open world type uh when you get let out out into these environments you can really explore it without the hindrance of loading um but yeah a lot of mods you can make it look really nice Uh, a lot of decent challenging mods if you want like the ai to be better and yeah just uh but the ps2 if you if you see it in a discount store or wherever it's still worth picking up if you've got your ps2 plugged in yeah it's 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 just a great game and it's a a real pinnacle of of the time you know of like when gaming i think became a bit more serious not serious as in you know it has to be taken seriously but like showing us all you know the genres can be blended and we can get something really special
0: yeah definitely i think this is this is a very good example of blending two two genres together to to make a much better product especially on the ps2 um, thank you for coming on the show and picking this game, and, and we're going to get into our thoughts shortly on it. Is there anything you do that people could find you online for, you know, I don't know if you do a podcast or if you do music or anything else that you'd like us to, to share with people?
3: Uh, no, but I will shout out a couple of my friends' projects. Sure. Will, and, and something related to myself. Uh, firstly, I'd like to shout out the fan remake of the Shenmue, uh series. Uh, the fan remake is called Shemu Dragon and Phoenix Collection. Uh, my friend is redoing all the music for that at the moment. Uh, I would have his Twitter on me, but I don't have it open on my browser because I was not prepared for that. <laughs> uh, other than that, I would like to shout out uh, all the people I work with at Team 17 in Wakefield as part of the uh, usability research uh, division. You know, I do a bit of work for them now and again, and uh, they're, you know, it's a really great, inclusive like uh, work environment and. Uh, yeah, um, you know, if I mean, if you get a chance to check out any of the Team Seventeen games, you know, out there, but you know, please do. I mean, there's a lot of, again, great variety of games that they publish, and you know, I've been lucky enough to work on a few of them, you know, here and there, especially some of the more recent titles. But yeah, I just hope everyone out there, you know, enjoys the show. Uh, I certainly do, and yeah, I hope everyone's uh, staying safe out there.
0: Well, yes. Thank you for uh, for coming on and picking this game. And uh, and anyone who's looking to check out anything Team Seventeen did, I, I see that they're uh, they've done a handful of games I'm very familiar with, including the Overcooked series and the Worm series. So check them out as well. And uh, and thank you for coming on, Tom.
3: Uh, yeah, pleasure's all mine. Uh, I look forward to hearing the show.
0: As I mentioned on my conversation with Tom, uh, we're covering the PlayStation 2 version of the original PC game. Uh, did either of you play this on the PlayStation 2? I did. Or did you both play this on the PC?
1: I um, played this on the PC and I honestly uh, forgot I had. I, I remember <laughs> as I was playing through it this time around, I was like, this is familiar to me. Like, uh, you know, where, where you where you begin that opening mission. Um it seemed awful familiar. Then it hit me. I went back to my Steam library just to check, and yes, I, I did put hours into that original. I didn't play it back at the time it came out, um, but I actually the first one I played was uh, was Human Revolution, and absolutely loved that game. And then went back um, and played the played the original. I, I guess it would have put me in the the mid two thousands when I played it, uh, but no, I was not aware. Until it came time to to uh, to play through for this episode, that it that that had made it onto consoles.
2: Yeah, you brought up that we were going to play Deus Ex, and I was like, yes, you'll finally, you know, get to play Deus mm-hmm. Ex again. And then you were like, on the PS2. It's like what? I mm-hmm. didn't. I totally forgot that even came out on the PS2. But no, I've played this game extensively on the PC. Mm. Uh, this was back when I got my first actual PC for myself. And it could run games decently enough. And it was right there, right at the end of the 90s, that, that real, that first big PC game renaissance that, that came through. Mm. Uh, and, and there's so many great games came out. And Deus Ex was one that caught my eye. I'm, I'm definitely into the kind of, you know, cyberpunk thing, sci-fi storylines and, and weird shit like that. Mm. And as soon as I saw it on my Walmart shelf, I was like, that's that's what I want. I asked for that for Christmas that year and... and my grandparents came through, so spent a lot of time playing through that. A lot of lot of good memories with that, and that was, I think, probably the first introduction to a proper Western RPG for me, because before that it was mostly all JRPGs. And mm-hmm. getting into this and and playing it and see what seeing what you know the the different ways that a Western developer handles an RPG, especially a first person game, because I'd never played a first person RPG this was uh it was a real treat and it i again it's something i remember fondly to this day so have either of you seen this game on the ps2 i have and there's some interesting changes to it mm. there's you know it's it's still essentially the same game so what we talk about here with even if we're talking about the pc it's going to apply for the ps2 version as well the only things that really change up on the ps2 are the way it kind of blocks off certain levels. like it, mm-hmm. the PC, of course, has much larger levels and they had to kind of divide them on the PS2. Also, the PS2 added some, some nice graphical flourishes here and there and, and made certain sections of the city look a little bit nicer, a little bit more colorful because if you've ever played the original on the PC, the only thing you can think of is gray and black. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so the, the one on PS2 is, is a little bit more, is a little bit more brighter bright and colorful. Mm-hmm. And they really did a good job with the menu system, like adapting that hardcore, you know, drag and drop PC menu, inventory menu, and uh, all that stuff to a really cool menu that kind of slides out, you know, on the left and right of the screen. It makes sense. It really works. So I think that's generally the biggest differences between the PC and the PS2 version. As far as I know, there may be more. If you guys know more, let me know. Uh, the only other thing no, I was no. going
0: to say is they they did add some new cutscenes or, like, redesign some cutscenes to be a little more cinematic than the uh, the original mm-hmm. release. But the story is the same. Uh, the, the areas are the same. The plot is the same. Uh, obviously, the controls are probably slightly different on the PlayStation uh, because you don't have the option of using a keyboard and all the other stuff you normally use for a, a game like this. But it still plays... Uh, I was I was impressed with how it plays on the PS2 for this kind of game. Um, I had not played this game before. I have one of the later DSXs that somebody gave me on Steam, and I've never even tried it. And I'm going to to probably check it out. But uh, so for me, it was coming in you know totally blind. And from the the mm. very get go of the game, first off, there's there's a very meaty um, tutorial you can go through, which actually kind of takes oh, you through yeah. a training section, which I highly recommend if you've never played this game, uh, or even if you have only played it on the PC and you want to go to the PlayStation, uh, do that, do that mission. It's probably 20 minutes long. It teaches you how to use all the menus. Uh, like Jeremy said, the menus are done very well where it's instead of having, uh, you know, to hit start and then go through 17 screens, to get what you want. Um, you know, the, the, Circle button will bring up one set of menus, and the square button brings up one set of menus, and then start and select bring up two different two different things, but they're all different. So you know, oh, I want a map. I hit select, and I can go over I can get a map. If I need mm. uh, to to look at what my weapons and items are, I can hit the square button, and that menu comes up. And the game pauses while you're in those menus, thankfully, so you're able to go through and, and select the items you need. But it it is it's it works out very well for something that I think would be incredibly unwieldy. Uh, I mean, we've covered games like uh, Legacy of Cain, like that was a fun one, but again, the menu on that feel, you felt like you were Clicking through eight screens that took forever to load. This, I didn't have any problems with at all as far as, as getting these things up quickly. Uh, the levels being broken up, different than the PC, I looked at a couple levels comparatively just to kind of see. And yeah, there, there are some more loading screen areas. You can tell where they broke up one big map into two littler maps or something, but it, it still basically goes through the same areas and does the same story. So everything we're going to talk about, like Jeremy said, is going to apply to both versions, but I can tell you from experience, if you've only got the PlayStation version or are only looking to play the PlayStation Two version of this game, it does play as well uh, as the PC. You're not going to have any real problems where you're like, damn, I wish I would have played the PC because I can't get this, you know, this aim or shooting down. Plays really well, no problem there with that.
1: Yeah, I, I, I want to give it. Uh, you two have expressed, you know, your pleasure in it. I want a uh, big hats off for the way they handle the menus on this because we have a. Uh, it, it's often been a hang-up of mine when we review. Um, You know, once again, and uh, you know that this almost got classified as a PC-ass game, but they did a good job. Uh, It's always a pain, Uh, kind of wandering around menus for a game that was, you know, originally on PC and got sent over the consoles. But they nailed it. And as someone that currently, right now, is playing Ark, um, I have a great appreciation for how not shitty, um, you know, these, these this inventory and these these menus and whatnot are. Um, so yeah, that that immediately I, I was was thrilled with that, and yeah, I I c- can recall on PC, it's the, the levels are a little more, it's it's God, it's open world for that time. It, it's nothing like we we you know know it nowadays. But yeah, it, it is a little more confined than this one, but I, I thought that was fine, and I kind of like the feel of it. Kinda to me was more traditional kind of video game stage type thing to it is how I took it. So yeah, all this stuff originally that could have been a problem, I, I was I was very happy to see. Um, really wasn't, and, and I, I was having a, a pretty enjoyable experience. As much as you can for this, this has always been a game that that it is I, I think it is one of those we've talked about games like this before. Um, borderlines on um, being maybe slightly too ambitious, and it tries to do a lot of a lot of things, and you know it does some of them well, but you can't do all the things well. Uh, but early on in this, uh, I was I was all in. I, I think it's
2: pretty shocking how how good a conversion they actually did for the mm-hmm. the PS2. Uh, it doesn't run extremely well, but you know for what it is, it, it's a really great port. Back when they weren't doing ports of PC games for the most part, it yeah. was very much a divide. It's either this is going right. to be on PC, or mm-hmm. you got your console games over here. And to even attempt that with Deus Ex on the PS2 was uh is really impressive it's definitely playable and it's a it's a good conversion of it and it's just unfortunate that more pc conversions after that didn't mm-hmm. didn't follow suit because man there were some really bad ones and i was actually pretty scared going into this one whenever you did say <laughs> the ps2 version of deus ex i was like oh my god what have what could they have possibly done to this one on the ps2
0: well, the original PC game uh, for Deus Ex came out in 2000. It was developed by Ion Storm, which is really only known for, uh, for Daikatana and this. Uh, they did some oh, other God. stuff, but, but this is really it. And after these two games, uh, they more or less dissolved. And, uh, and the Deus Ex series would continue on uh, by the publisher, which was IDOS, which is now Square uh, Enix. Uh, the two th- uh, In 2002 they did this PlayStation port It's basically completely optimized for the PlayStation 2 But again, they did try to keep the game To be as close to the original as possible By adding some extra scenes and things to, as well To make it a little more updated uh, So I guess if you had played the PC version And also the PS2 It, it wasn't a completely uh, wasted effort to play this game again You're not playing like a mm-hmm. watered down version of a game you know But you're playing mm-hmm. a slightly different version uh, Of a game you know While still hitting all the beats it needs to hit um, This is built on Unreal 5 uh, the Unreal Engine Five, which you know a lot of games at this time did, uh, Batman: Arkham Asylum, Unreal, Bioshock, all these games continue to use the Unreal Five engine. This was one of the first games that really pushed that engine. as look what we can do with this game. So that's kind of cool. If you're into PC games, It's kind of this. The way this game is put together internally is still you know still being used actually for the most part for a lot of big games. Um, the game is a first-person adventure game uh, with with definite action sequences, large action sequences. It kind of reminds me a lot of. Of, you know, games we've played fairly recently, uh, since I was not familiar with the series at all, it's a lot like th- the feeling of like a siphon filter or Metal Gear Solid mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. Uh, even GoldenEye, which we had played last year. It, it's it's that same kind of time period. It's current-ish, but with some sci-fi edge to it, a lot more sci-fi than something like GoldenEye does. Um, for example, your main character is J.C. Denton. Uh, you're some kind of like cyborg or at least a human with cybernetic enhancements. Uh, they don't really explain all of it extremely well at the start of the game later on you get to, you know it explains a little more about it but you're you're kind of a, a new style of of robotic and human combination where there are other mm-hmm. uh, other people in the game that are far more straight cyborg and other things that are, are, are straight humans. So it's you're this kind of blend. You're an agent for UNATCO, uh, which is the United Nations Anti-Terrorist Coalition. And from the very start of the game, after you finish that tutorial, you're dropped right into your first mission, which is that uh, another terrorist organization basically has taken over the UNATCO headquarters, which is Liberty Island in New York City, uh, where the Statue of Liberty is. And you're supposed to then infiltrate and take out the terrorists that have taken over... Uh, the Statue of Liberty had taken one of the other agents from UNATCO captive. And go like there's not a whole lot of warm up after that. That's why that tutorial is so important. If you don't play through it, it kind of like throws you right into the story, and you have to know what you're doing and know how to use the menus and know how to you know what what the game expects you to do. It is not if you play it like a straight running gun action game, you're probably not going to enjoy yourself because it's very difficult. If that's what your goal is, but if you also try to play it as a full stealth game, I think it's also very difficult. I, I don't know if you guys play this different than me. I started at the beginning trying to play where I tried to sneak around and use my stealth skills. You can, you know, hack into computer systems if you want to. You can uh, find ways to pick locks and get through doors. And you can hide in the shadows and, and make it through pretty far without getting into combat. But if you try to totally avoid combat, I, I couldn't succeed in that. And then I was too underskilled personally in the combat to succeed once I was found. Did you guys try to normally play this very stealthy? Or do you kind of play this more of a, of a run and gun with stealth elements?
1: I, I, um, originally, uh, well, I, I think I was in a similar spot to you. I had a, had a little bit of a false start my first time playing too. Cause yeah. And, and you did mention it. it. It has serious metal gear, solid vibes, you know, for me, uh, both in, in terms of it, you know, it's one of those, you can kind of, as you're talking about, it, you can kind of choose how you're going to go about things and the setting and you know, the characters. So it, it, it was similar. So I tried to play it the same way, and I like to go as, as stealthy as I can in an old Metal Gear game. And, and I found that it just didn't work for me here. I I had my I was hacking shit. I had my track darts. Um, I, was, I was picking up fucking forty ounces off the ground. Fucking, I was uh, I, I, I was doing all I could, but it, there came a point, and it, it's similar to what you're saying that when I really had to <laughs> stare down a fight, I I didn't feel very well equipped for it. Um, so I, I went back and kind of did a blend. Um, I would, would, uh, it's almost a half and half by the end of it. You know, I, there were some fights and, you know, you can kind of see, yeah, I, I might not want to get into this one. I'm always stray from this one. I might want to take a smart approach from it. Um uh, but I, I, I did go in guns blazing just a little bit and shit. Uh by the time I was done with this, this playthrough for the review here, I was, uh, I was I was I was shooting a lot more than I intended when I first started playing. Back when I first got it, like I said, I
2: wasn't really I hadn't played a game like this before, mm. and the only thing I really knew of, you know, that was a first-person game was a first-person shooter, and especially with this one, you start out there's a gun in your hand, so
3: mm-hmm.
2: I hadn't really read too many uh, reviews of it. I you know a couple of previews here and there, so I didn't quite understand what the game was. And it was through a whole lot of trial and error that I figured mm-hmm. out that you can mm-hmm. you can play it the way you want. You know, you can do you run and gun. It's not great. You, you know, you can do, uh, you, you know, you're sneaking around. That's fine, too. But uh, generally, it's to me, it's a gadget game. Mm. This is one of those games that's like, instead of running and gunning or just trying to sneak around constantly, it's more about what... What's in the environment that I can use? What kind of weird mm-hmm. shit's in my in- inventory mm-hmm. that I can use? you know it's th- there's really never a direct path to what you should do. It's more mm-hmm. of like, okay, what have I collected that I could use here? what will uh you know can I use them Can I just skip this? Can I find another way around? Is there a duct somewhere that I can just crawl through and skip this entire thing it, it and there's a lot of that because yeah, if you just go one of the two ways it it seems like the game kind of punish you for that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to play it like that, which is crazy because you you would think, you know, okay, it's got to be this way or this way, but it's mostly, uh, you know, a kind of look in your inventory, see what you got, look around, look at the environment. Is there stuff I can pick up and throw over here? Uh, you know, it's, it's that kind of thing. And It took me quite a while to figure out how to actually play the game like that. But I mm-hmm. think overall that is, that's kind of the way the game wants you to play it.
0: Yeah. Like Jeremy, like, I think Billy said earlier it it is kind of an open world game for the time. It's not open world by today's standards, but the, the levels mm-hmm. are large. There's many ways around things. A lot of the time, uh, it, it's more about trying to avoid a situation that you know is bad. If you see if you see a handful of enemy combatants standing there, along with like some gun emplacements or something you don't want to fight, you could run in there. You have you can get grenades, you can get larger weapons, you can be really you can give yourself like body armor so you can take some extra damage. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can run in there and you can do some damage, but there's most likely. a a better way to go either a uh, like a series of ducks you can climb through or sewers in some areas where you can go in the sewers and get around this combat completely so it is about trying to really explore the map as well and use all your items um instead of uh because this game has a pretty involved story i will say the story for this game while not being metal gear solid levels of insanity it is it is pretty involved the the playstation version being called uh, Deus Ex: The Conspiracy kind of lays it out because it's every conspiracy that you're you know going to think about with big government or the, the Illuminati's mm-hmm. involved, all these other organizations that are you know secretly pulling the strings in the background. All that's involved in this story, and I don't want to ruin it because I think it is like that's been what I've enjoyed the most is trying to figure out what is happening and what the story is. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll get far enough with it where we're going to talk about where we've gone and what we've done, but uh, I don't want to get too far into the story. But the the uh, the way you you can kind of modify your character right you don't you don't get to kind of be an open world character setup you don't get to build, oh, I'm going to make a guy who's really good at fishing. Like, no, that's not how this game is set up. Instead, uh, that would be great, yeah. wouldn't it? But instead, when you start the game, you're kind of just this agent. And then as you play, you get to pick up a whole bunch of different items so you can have uh, a different set of, of weapons. You can go with shotguns or pistols or rifles or, you know, you can get rockets and stuff later. I mean, all these heavier weapons. But you can, you can only hold, like, four or five weapons at a time, at least on the PS2 version. So you're not going to walk around with every single weapon you've got. You're only going to have a very select... Number of items, so you can get all the stealthy weapons. You can get, only bring a silenced pistol, and uh, like I think Jeremy or Billy mentioned, uh, he has these tranquilizer darts and a dart gun. Like I, I had that for the first half of the game. It was like I'm going to tranquilize everybody and try to like not kill mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people. Uh, I hit a wall real strong in that first area, like the main. First mission to go into the Statue of Liberty. Like, once I got out of the o- intro area, which was pretty easy, and you get to actually like inside the statue, I was just getting killed because I did not understand what I was supposed to be doing. I wasn't exploring very well. I wasn't using my items at all. I kept like saving them for whatever reason. And I ran out of ammo pretty quick. This is not a run and gun game where you have unlimited bullets. You only have mm-hmm. whatever you can find. A lot of the time when you kill people, you might get another clip of ammo, but sometimes you don't. And sometimes you have to find. Uh, crates around the level and break them open with a with a crowbar or something so you can get other bullets and other things. And you'll find bullets for guns you don't have yet and, and guns that you have no bullets for. Like, all the stuff you find is crazy uh, to how detailed it is for what you need to get. It's not a universal ammunition. You have ammunition for each single weapon. And you have you have to make sure you have those weapons to use that ammo and, and vice versa. And uh, uh, along with that, you can find... Um, a whole bunch of of useful items there's uh, like a aside from things like body armor which makes sense you get hazmat mm-hmm. suits you get a rebreather so you can go underwater for longer without having to worry about drowning there are sections where you have to swim in this game so you know you know make sure you have some ways to get through that uh, in addition to all the items you find you will have and again the playstation 2 version so the square item the square button brings up your items menu which is where you get all your your guns all your food items uh, any lock picks or anything you have all that's on that side mm-hmm. if you hit the circle button you get your skills and augments uh menus so the skills as you go through the game you'll get experience points like you would in any rpg and then you can use those experience points to work on your skills so if you want to be better at using lock picks at the beginning of your lock pick let's say a door takes a hundred uh, points of lock picking to open right It'll say, oh, if you have a lockpick, you can get rid of 20 of those points. So in order to get through a door with 100 strength, you need five lockpicks at the very beginning. Now, I'm, I'm probably off on those numbers, but that's the concept. Uh, once you get to the next level of lockpicking, if you want to put your experience into that, then all of a sudden it's like, oh, now when you use a lockpick, it's worth 50 lockpick points. So now it only takes two lockpicks to get through that door instead of five. Like, it's a pretty notable increase because it's only four levels of skill for each item. Um and they also have a, a skill for how far you can swim and how long you can hold your breath. Uh, if you have better aim with weapons, the way that they do aim in this game is not that you have a little reticle on the screen that immediately will shoot wherever you're aiming at. As you you gain skill in these weapons and use your experience to get them up, the reticle will actually shrink slowly as you sit totally still and then will kind of be a, a real accurate reticle for you are. So you have to be like aiming at a guy Mm -hmm. and wait for him to stop and then it'll zoom in on him and then you can shoot him. And as your skill gets faster, that that the amount of time it takes for the reticle to get smaller decreases uh, to the point sometimes where you don't have to worry about it. You're just running around and you can treat it more like a run and gun once you put those points in. So that's your skills, and then your augments are you know you're some kind of, of cybernetically enhanced human being. You find these upgrades throughout the game as you're going so that you can have things like oh well now I've got uh, at the beginning the one you start with is that you can you can get eyes that light up and they make it so you have a flashlight, essentially, with your eyes, that's a cybernetic enhancement. You have a whole other power bar that, as you use these cybernetic enhancements, will go down. So you have a health bar and, and a cybernetic power bar, I guess, that's, I guess, used for mana in other games. Um, and so as you go through the game and you get these other enhancements, sometimes they're given to you the way you should get enhancement, I guess, from your, your boss or whoever giving you the ability to, to get these new enhancements. And other, later on, you find this technology and steal it, and then you can use mm-hmm. that to make your enhancement. But you can get... Uh, like uh, right now, my loadout is that I have uh, the ability to turn my body into like a self-healing machine, so it uses yeah. my energy to heal up, which is super important. Uh, along with uh, that, I can run really fast, so I can make some jumps I couldn't make before. Uh, there is a lot of falling damage in this game, so you got to be very careful with that. Although, again, if you put your points in the right place and get the right items, it's less of an issue. So it, mm-hmm. it's it's got the RPG elements that you've got. You know all the items and weapons, and you deciding how you want to use them. Some of them have a, a specific use. Some of them you can be a little more creative with. Along with deciding what skills you want, so that you can be more more effective with some of those items in some some other situations. And you have these augments that have you know you don't have to use them, but if you do, they can really give you the edge, especially in the combat end. Uh, as long as you have this energy, which uh, both health and energy, I found, <laughs> and maybe this is a problem with mm. the PS2 version this was part of my problem with the wall. Along with running out of ammo, it saves, it auto-saves for you whenever you go into an area that loads. You can also manually save it pretty much anywhere you want, but it auto-saves when you go in an area you load. So if you're only playing with one save and not chain-saving, which is what I do, I recommend doing with any game. But if you have one save, you go into this new area, it auto-saves, and... Whatever you have for your health or or everything else is where it's going to bring you back when you die. That's where you continue. You have the mm-hmm. same amount of things. So I got to the Statue of Liberty, and I'm exploring it. And I realized, like, my current save, my current situation, I have, like, 14 health out of 300. I have no bullets left. All I have is a couple tranquilizer darts and no med packs, which are, like, your healing items. It's really easy in this game if you don't either stockpile weapons and stuff so you have it, you know, for when you need it, or if you just don't do a bunch of saves so you can go back if you really screwed up. Uh, I found myself several times getting stuck in a situation like that where I was like, in the middle of a mission, I don't know where to go to get any of this stuff back, I don't have an older save that's any good, and I have, I'm have i out of all my items. Like, I can get through mm. it, it'll allow me to, but it's a lot of running and a lot of hiding.
2: I, I screwed myself over quite a bit on the PC version from just hitting the quick save button a lot. Uh, mm. it's, it's one of those games every section you, you want to get through, you hit that quick save. I don't yeah. remember if it does an auto save on the PC version or not. But I it didn't really matter because I was just jamming on that, that quick save button as much as possible. But yeah, there were, until I figured out a way that I wanted to play it, th- there were a lot of times where I just had to start levels completely over because there was just, you know I'd, I'd back myself into a corner. There was nothing I could do. And the game is unforgiving like that. I think a lot of people forget just how unforgiving a lot of these Western PC RPGs yeah. were back then. And you know, as much as it lets you play the way you want it to, or you want to, uh, there's just as many <laughs> times where it's it's going to play you just as much. Yeah. Uh, either because you're oversaving, or you've you know didn't use use the stuff you got in the right way, or whatever, mm-hmm. and now you're down to one bullet and, and nowhere to go with no health. So
1: yeah, you uh, can play you could you could play how you want to, but there's going to be consequences.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally, and that's just you know how those games. It was it was very as, as someone that was just all about JRPGs and like this is the mm-hmm. way you go and and that's it. To play something like this, I, it, it was a moment. I was like, wow, you know, this is yeah. this totally. It's freed up everything as far as like how I think I I want to play a game, and and from there on out, I I was I've always been drawn to games that let you play the way you want. But unfortunately, mm-hmm. these days, you know, even when they say, yeah, you can. Play how you want to play it, and you'll get better at these things or level yourself up. It's generally only like one of two or three paths, and there's there's not anywhere close to to the amount of freedom that something like Deus Ex or those those other like you know PC
1: RPGs from back then. Yeah, I mean it's it's impressive. I you 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 can almost break the thing playing through. Uh, you know it's it it, it's total freedom. Uh, which is it's hard to imagine that they kind of got it down back then like Jeremy is alluding to better, better than now. No, there are uh, the only, I would like in this as far as uh, the, like some of the more the, the recent hitman games, I think have done a great job of here's your goal. How the hell are you going to do it? It's up to you. Go, go on, you know, go make it happen. And that's how this game feels. And it, and it's incredible. The um, like the, the sense of freedom you get from it, from this, this old ass game. That's still doing it better than most others and you know i'd have to go back and uh, uh human revolution did a great job of it also um, i i feel like it kind of i think that last one let me down a little bit but I, I don't know if any of them do it better than this one just because it feels like they've just completely handed the reins over to you and said you know what we're giving you the the shit to to do this go out there and you know make it happen um i i don't i don't feel like in this game you're being pushed in one particular direction, I think it kind of goes with what Jeremy was saying: is you kind of get the illusion that you know you can you can do whatever, but there's certainly, I, I think most games of this type now push you in one direction, or or it certainly makes one one way very easy. Um, Nine, this one you're you're probably gonna get the shit beat out of you several times no matter what you do. But it, that, the fun is just you know kind of getting this down and um as as it stands i i I didn't finish it in time but i'm not far off uh and once i do it's it's one of those that you could go right back in and you could have an entirely different experience playing through this a second time or third or many times
0: oh i'm playing it totally differently now than i was at the start of the game like Mm -hmm. again i got stuck in that wall in the first mission and then uh, so after you finish in the Statue of Liberty, you have some missions in New York proper to kind of, you know, hunt down this, this, uh, <coughs> this other terrorist organization. Uh, and then that leads the story to kind of where it leads to, you know, who's really pulling the strings? Who, who's really behind all these different organizations? Are you, in fact, working for a good or bad organization? And why, what's going on with you? Your brother's involved. Who's another agent for UNATCO? Uh, you both are very similar in that you both are these cybernetically enhanced uh, super agents, kind of like the future of the agency, it seems at the start of the, at this series or at the start of the, the game. Um, but, but later on, so you go through New York and you do some missions there, uh, and then eventually you end up going over to like, um, to, to Hong Kong, which I loved the Hong Kong section. I, I don't know mm-hmm. if it was like this on the PS, on the, the PC version, but on the PS2, it's definitely very much reminded me of like, Oh, I want to go play, you know, uh, Shenmue or something again like it was very it was much more colorful a lot of neon it was all like downtown you're in Wanshai again which is where you were in Shenmue 2 I think like I, I liked the feel of that section of the game but by the time I got there I felt like I had a good hand on how to play it so for the first bunch of missions in New York and like at these military compounds I felt like I was doing that thing where I would I would get through a section by the skin of my teeth and save and get to the next section by mm-hmm. cleaning my teeth and save. Like I, I'm getting through it, but it's all I'm like brute forcing my way through it. Like I'm just I'm hammering into things instead of thinking about how to fix them. And by the time I got to the the Hong Kong area, I was actually doing all those missions incredibly effectively, in my opinion. I didn't die that many times. I was able to keep my health pretty full. I was using my cybernetic mm-hmm. enhancements to really make a difference. And and it's all about deciding what you should and shouldn't fight. Like you again, if you try to treat, treat it like a a run and gun you're probably going to get your butt kicked even if you put all your all your skills into combat the ai in this game is actually not too bad so in a lot of areas if You know, you run into a a a bad guy you're trying to take out, and you don't kill him. If you run it and you shoot him, and you miss him a couple times, or he has better body armor, or you have a weak weapon, he'll run over to an alarm. There's alarms placed out throughout the level. Mm -hmm. They're actually like physical alarms; they have to go hit, and then guys will start running in from all over the map. And it's not like they just summon him. You know, these ex-enemies, and they all are pulled from different ports, uh, different positions on the map where they they wander. Like they actually have their own paths and stuff. And Mm-hmm. You have to be smart. If you if you're able to you know get the jump on a guy, you can take him out before he sets the alarm off. But in my case, especially early on, if that alarm went off, I was like, well, my game is over. I'm gonna wait till they kill yeah. me and reload it. I'm screwed. But you can use your skills. You can use those those hacking skills. You can use uh, some of the items you find to like turn off these alarms ahead of time, so they'll run over to try to use the alarm and it doesn't work anymore. And and you can turn off cameras that are constantly looking for you. You can turn off guns or take them over yourself and use those mm-hmm. guns and robots. You can like uh, I, I one of the sections I ran into where I am now I'm not towards I'm not at the end of the game yet but I finished the the Hong Kong section and I'm back in New York I'm doing some missions and I'm heading out to the next area I know what happens so I'm not like going to be surprised by anything I don't feel like anything I'm saying now will change as I finish the game cuz I'm going to finish it it's very good mm-hmm. but uh I got to a point now where like I was able to reprogram all the, like, sentry bots to just attack anybody. It doesn't have to be a, a me or, or a, a bad guy. Anybody that walks by, they'll attack it. So I reprogrammed all the bots to do that, and I ran out and saw they were shooting everybody, and I kind of hid somewhere. And then I came back and I changed the robots to just, like, stop doing that and patrol again. And so all the enemies I would have to fight other than these patrol bots are all just dead all over the place, and I'm able to run around and, like, take their ammo and stuff off of them. Like, I love little things like that. It reminds me a lot of, like current games do this more. You know, uh, the, the Elder Scrolls games do this, you know, uh, mm-hmm. uh, Skyrim and, and, you uh, know, Oblivion had things like that where you can kind of, not reprogram robots, but I mean, you can, you can use things in there creatively to get by these problems, which yeah. at this time, a lot of games didn't do that to this level. So it is very impressive of what it does. Uh, and, and I do feel like as I played, I got smarter. I would love to go back and I will probably do this since I, I bought this for this podcast. I probably will go back after I finish this and replay the beginning and see, like, oh, I got through this in an afternoon instead of taking... I, I'm not lying when I... I mean, we've played this for a while. We were supposed to actually do this in December, but just due to scheduling, we had to push it back. And I'm glad we did because my original notes for what we were going to talk about in December were about how bad I am at this game. And I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing wrong. <laughs> and And I didn't get very far in it. And now, like... I'd love to go back and play those first areas. I bet I wouldn't be stuck there for two weeks like I was the first time. I, I'll blow right mm-hmm. through them now that I know what I'm doing. And I feel like I'd have a much more effective and a much more streamlined character if I restarted it today, which I really like.
2: Before I forget it, can I just say how how much of a, a trip back in time this is to the year 2000 with oh, just yeah, the story and not only how it plays, but the story and the this was like taking the two things that were very popular back in 2000, the X-Files and the Matrix, and they just, I, Warren Spector was just like those two things right now in this video game, because like you know you've got your your characters that look like they stepped right out of Matrix, you know they talk like, you know the characters in that, and then you've got all the conspiracies and shit like that from the X Files, literally all of the conspiracies in the world, and it's it's such a it was, it was fun back then, but you know it was you were in the moment back then, you were like oh yeah this stuff. You know, that's long gone. And, you know, even with the uh, the Matrix Resurrection coming out and, uh, you know, pl- replaying this, I was like, oh, man, the year 2000 was such a big pile of shit for the most part. <laughs> like, I yeah. loved oh, it. Yeah. But, yeah. but, man, this stuff is great. I, I love it. Uh, even with just how on the nose a lot of this stuff is. Like, you, Jeremy posted a picture in our chat that was just, like, a screenshot of an office that was just, everything on the screen was, like, Obey. And I was mm-hmm. like, yep, that's, that's Deus Ex. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's It's not trying to be subtle. It is uh, X-Files and conspiracy theories for 12-year-old children. And that's what it kind of comes off as uh, a lot of times. And even when it's trying to be heady about a lot of that stuff, you're just like, oh, mm-hmm. man, year 2000 was awful. But, man, I, I love
1: love this stuff. Yeah, well, I, it's 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 one of those games we've talked about these before. Where if you sat someone down in front of it and lived through that time and said, "What year is this from?" You could probably they get it like within about a two year window. They'd be able to guess it easy.
0: Well, I will warn you if you're going to play it now. The main plot of the game involves a mysterious disease that has taken over the world, and only this one agency has the uh, the 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 way to combat it, and so they have to limit how many people can get access to this special cure, and uh, that's part of what drives the story forward. Is this background of this disease going through? I was like, oh yeah, great. I can't even get away from it for the podcast. It's just where we are, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, but it's done really well. Like the 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 fact that it does tie and X Files is very good. I didn't even think about that, but you're right. That that's very much how this feels. Like everything is this. this this dark oh yeah there's there's a secret organization that runs that but there's a secret organization that runs that organization and then they all work for this other organization but they don't know it and this other you know by the time we get to to hong kong i'm dealing with like three different gangs uh <laughs> that are trying to fight for turf war that these same agencies are still like pulling the strings over there like it's It's cool how it all fits together. And it is a lot like, you know, before we recorded this, Billy was like, do you even know what's going on in this game story-wise, you know? And and I was like, actually I do, but only because I think I'd played Metal Gear Solid 4 earlier last year. And compared to that, this makes a lot of sense. I can draw lines to how this makes sense. I'm good to go. There's nothing technology-wise in this, like sure. I don't understand how you'd really have any of these cybernetic enhancements, uh, but at least it makes sense on a video game level. It, there's no nano machines. There's that control my guns or anything crazy like that. This is all straightforward, like straight sci-fi from the early 2000s, and, and I, it's it's pretty solid for what it does. Uh, and and again, I don't want to give away the story too much. If if you just know that it's about quote the conspiracy, and know that you're willing to go down an X-Files style route for it, that's a perfect uh, a perfect description of the story for this game. As I mentioned, I had never played any of the games in this series, and that, other than this game, that's still very true. Uh, this this is the first in a series. Uh, again, after um, Ion Storm Dissolved, they did work on the first sequel, which is Deus Ex Invisible War, that came out in 2003, and after that, they all went to IDOS and, you know, different people have, have developed them, so it's uh deus ex human revolution is 2011 deus ex the fall in 2013 deus ex go in 2016 and mankind divided also in 2016 i have played none of these except for the original but i do believe i have human revolution sitting on steam right now for me to check out at some <laughs> point and and once i finish this i probably will i know they're all the same kind of game i know they go back and forward in time and such not like it's time travel but the, the time period much like Metal Gear Solid the later games are earlier and later in the the timeline of the series uh than than their release. I'm definitely interested. are you guys familiar with the other games in the series?
1: Oh human revolution I have played the shit out of um I, I really love that game like I said that was my um introduction to the to the series and I really loved that one. I got on 360 clocked in several playthroughs. Um. Yeah. Subsequent game. the the last last big one that came around. Uh, something I, you know, I I would have to go back and play. I didn't even I didn't even finish it. Something with it just didn't sit well with me, and I can't recall what it was. Um. But to be as hyped as I was for for Human Revolution, and not to get into that one. Um. It, it had to be something, or maybe it's just me because I'm I'm fickle as hell. I don't know. Maybe if I played it now, I'd love it. Who knows? But no. Um. Human Revolution, I, I cannot recommend enough. Um, I, I think it, it, you know, if you liked this game, the, the kind of the sense of freedom you had with it and how you could go about things, um, you know, and ways of your choosing and whatnot, um, I, I, I think it really took that and, and built even further upon it. I remember going through and playing through little missions on there and just playing them completely different. And yeah, I, I loved that one. Um, Go was a fun little mobile kind of, you know, grid puzzle type game, which which was decent enough. Uh, you know, it has really nothing to do with anything. But, you know, it's just the kind of the setting kind of that universe. But the rest of them I have not played. Um, yeah, I, Human Revolution cannot say enough good things about. Uh, well, I waited for Invisible
2: War. Uh, when it was announced and mm. that was you know I was I was so hyped up for that game mm-hmm. and it just it fell flat I know there's some people out there that you know have come around to it these days but it was more geared for consoles at the time uh, you know I think it came out on like Xbox and, and stuff like that but it was it it was it was not Deus Ex it was a fine little action RPG Mm-hmm. but it simplified too many things and it just wasn't the game that I was I wanted from it so I I never even mm-hmm. finished that one it was just yeah so I waited a very long time and then Human Revolution finally came around and I didn't expect anything from it and I ended up absolutely loving that game. Oh it's um, hot you, shit. It is so good. The story's great. The characters are great. It's it's just a really fun deus ex style game it doesn't quite mm-hmm. get as deep into the craziness as as the original does but it's more accessible it's easier to understand introduces a hell of a fun little hacking mini game
1: mm-hmm.
2: and to the point where i was i had so much fun playing that i would just <laughs> hack everything um and it, it but it still retains everything that that made deus ex so much fun it was just a little bit more narrowly scoped this time and then uh, was it Mankind Divided? I played through that one, and I don't know if I like it or not. Uh, it's mm. it, it tries to do a bit too much, I think, with the story. You talk about not knowing what the hell's going on in Deus Ex. Well, tr- play Mankind Divided, and try to follow the 16,000 different storylines that are happening in that, and all the 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 mail it wants you to read back at the office to try and even understand what's this. happening it's very dense but it does have some very cool moments that whole first city that you're in is kind of like an open area like the original game Uh, and so it brings that back and it's really well done it's got side quests it's got some really memorable stuff and it really focuses on using uh, more speech you know getting around like that and solving things that way than the other previous games had it's a fun take on it, but I don't... I mean, it's it's known that Square really didn't let them finish it the way they wanted to. It just kind of ends. And uh, the second half of the game is very just... It's not anywhere near as good as the first half is. So there's some cool stuff in it. It's a good Deus Ex game, but it just... It needed more time in the oven, and it just didn't get there. So that's, that's what I'd say. I'd say if you're going to play a Deus Ex game, play Human Revolution... And if you really mm-hmm. wanna get get your feet wet then then load up the, the PC version and, and play that one because I don't I don't think you can get a better version of Deus Ex than the original one.
0: That's our thoughts on Deus Ex, the conspiracy for the PlayStation 2, or the original PC release from 2000. Thank you, Tom, uh, from our Patreon for selecting that for us to cover. And if you have a game you really want us to cover, the best way to do that is to go to our Patreon. It's always linked in the comments for this podcast, but you can also find it if you go to a site we call RetroVanity.net. You'll find it at RetroVanity.net. And they have all of the links to our social media sites and our Patreon, but also at the very bottom... Of that page, there is a listener mail form where you can send us a question, and we will answer it like we do at the end of every episode. Now, at the end of our last episode for 2021, which was the Home Alone disaster episode, we did like 30 listener questions, and we emptied that mailbag. And I've been informed it's getting full
2: again. It's crazy, you know. It's, it's 2022, New Year, New Me, New You. New Billy, mm-hmm. new Jeremy P. It's mm-hmm. we're all new, and the mailbag is new as well. And I thought maybe if we cleared it out, uh, you're right on that disaster of a show that we did at the, you know big end of the year clean out of mail that we could get things straight. Maybe things would slow down a little bit. No, no, it didn't. We just uh, the deluge of fucking questions just mm. came in. There was a point the other day. Where I was like, man, everyone must have just went back to work because I got like ten fucking questions in the span of two hours. It's uh, it's really something. And we're gonna try to get through these as as much as we can. So again, if you're if you've sent something in, you don't hear it. You know, we'll get to it eventually as long as you're not just asking us, do you like pee? So, mm-hmm. um, again, we don't. So you don't have to write in unless you're curious. But this this year, 2022, we're going to start off with Ben from Illinois. And if you remember from the previous episode, that was the one uh, he got his email eaten by oh, the contact. Oh, well, I'm foot. glad he wrote oh, back. That's excellent. Good. good, So we did Bel- kick off back. 2022 with Ben from Illinois. Yeah. That's wonderful. So, mm-hmm. All right. So he writes in about the Game Genie. Hey guys, I heard my message got deleted. To be perfectly honest, I don't remember what I was going to ask or say. And for all I know, the submission was blank because I was going to write something and got distracted. So, here's a new question. Did any of you have a Game Genie? I had one for the NES when I was a kid that I got at Funco Land. I remember the commercials made it look badass, but while the idea seemed cool at first, Over time, it made games bland and was more of a novelty because infinite lives or ammo or stage selects or whatever else was never challenging or rewarding. I sold mine on eBay eventually, but I wish I'd held on to it. In the NES heyday, I was limited to the codes printed in that Game Genie booklet. I'm sure Mm -hmm. more things were discovered and posted on the internet later, and maybe some different codes would have been more interesting. Lastly, thanks for covering Zero Tolerance. I mentioned that game some time ago and I really enjoyed that episode. Keep up the good work.
1: All right. Well, yeah, the game. Oh, hell yeah. The game Genie. Um, I, I picked it up because, yes, it, it did look incredible. Um, I, I don't know what I expected from it, though, really. Uh, but yeah, I, I do agree that there were some games where I had to use a game Genie, right? I, back in the day, playing through, I think, is that original Batman. Um, some of the other shit games like Total Recall, Predator, games like that, that were just near impossible. But I, I really wanted to get through and see more of the game, see the end. You you would get the game genie out for that. Uh, other games, it would do like some neat things. Like I, I think in uh that original Super Mario, it would, you could get like a really high jump. I think graphically it would, would change things here and there. So it, so it, some games it would do things beyond, um, you know, the usual, you know, unlimited lives or start, you know, whatever stage and things like that. Um, but it, it was, it was certainly interesting. And, and of course, you know, as a kid, you, you think you're just going to sit there and pick random fucking numbers and uncover something amazing. Uh, I think my cousin traded it off and I traded it off doing that many a time also. But yeah. That book's what you had. Um, thankfully it, it Seemed to be pretty thorough, and I, I felt like there weren't many games um, that didn't have at least a little something in there. Uh, but no, I, I, I love the Game Genie. I, I still have mine. Um, it, it was just a really neat item. Uh, I never had the, uh, the old Game Shark for any of the other systems. Uh, I, I was just a, kind of a Game Genie man, and, and that was it. But I, uh, it was neat, and I, I was really thankful for it uh because there there were some games some of those like it was usually fucking movie tie-in games that uh, i i would not have uh, ever seen the ending until you know the youtube era had it not been for the game genie
0: yeah i had a lot of experience with the game genie but we never had one i don't remember if it was that my dad was just like no
1: that's cheating we don't need to buy that and it mm. wasn't that we didn't buy mm.
0: dumb things because we had plenty I had a power glove. We had plenty of dumb things that never do what they were supposed to do. But that we never we never had a game gene of our own. But almost everybody else had one. And all we ever used it for was invincibility if you could get it on that game. If you could make it so that you could run through a level and not die. Or you know, if it's a game that had uh, limited ammo or something, which I can't even think of an NES game that did off the top of my head that would give you unlimited. Sure, use it for that. But I always thought it was a neat idea and, and always wanted one. But then whenever I went to someone's house and they had it, it was like, yep. Made ourselves invincible, and you're right. It kind of ruins ruins a lot of games. I mean, sure, if you're if you're at someone's house, you're playing a game, you're never gonna play again, or it's a game mm-hmm. you don't even like, but you want to see the ending to. Great, that's fun. Uh,
2: but I don't know. It, it it's neat, uh, but I don't miss having one. I didn't have one for the NES, but I had one for the Super NES, and the only reason I owned it was mm. because you could use a Game Genie code to change the blood in the original Mortal Kombat to red oh, with boy. it. Perfect, boy. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I, that was, I mean, it was, you were literally just palette swapping. You were turning it from gray sweat to, to red blood, and sometimes it didn't really look right. Of course, it didn't, you know, just revert to the old original Mortal Kombat blood or anything like that, but... I was like, wow, you can do that. And I I enjoyed the game genie for that. I mean, you're basically just altering the game code. It's Mm -hmm. not like you're you know, you're putting in some code that the game you didn't know it had or something. It's you're altering it, actually making the game different. And a lot of the time that was pretty cool, especially when it would break the game. And I, I think that's what I enjoyed most about the game genie was it was just it was a fun thing to mess around with. And that original code book was nice. But finding all the weird stuff in uh, magazines that actually had dedicated sections Mm. to to Game Genie codes was always super crazy. Like they really went out of their way to post some of the the craziest stuff that you could do with a Game Genie. And and that always kept me interested in it. So I think it's cool. You wouldn't have expected something like the Game Genie to exist back then, especially with, you know, what came later. Because it's essentially just a hex editor. And, you know, look, most modern emulators have Game Genies built in, uh, so you can change the code and stuff like that. But that was was pretty heady back in the day. I mean, I guess we were all used to entering, like, 40-character passwords at that point, Mm -hmm. so why the hell not the Game Genie as well? So it was neat. I really enjoyed that. Uh, But, yeah, thank you for writing back in, Ben from Illinois. We're glad you finally got back over here and got us a question. And our next question, start 2022 with, is from Drew C. And he's writing in about catching up. He says, What's up, guys? I've been working my way chronologically through the podcast backlog. Man, that's mm-hmm. a big backlog at this point. How, how many how many years have we been doing this? 14. No, it feels like it. Uh, this is <laughs> it the feels seventh like year. Seventh years. There was a moment in that fucking Game Boy Color Grinch game where I was like, My <laughs> God. This podcast has been going on this fucking long to make me cover a Game Boy Color. Uh, anyway. Um, yeah, hey, it's... Pat, what do you think we're going to
1: do next year? Ooh.
2: Don't even think um, about it. No, let's not think about that. <laughs> Anyways, y'all are legitimately my favorite podcast ever. Anyway, on one of the apps I just listened to, a listener asked what you would do if there was a Bojangles on the side of the road and a Sheets spelling on the <laughs> other side. You got it right, Ben. You actually got it right. Yeah. Um, or Drew, I'm sorry. You got it right. On the other, which would you choose? He also prefaced this with, because y'all are in the South. Well, as an Alabama resident firmly in the heart of the South, I need to know what the hell a sheets is. What am I missing out on? Thanks again for the great... Thanks again for the great podcast. P.S. If you choose my question to answer on air, I probably won't hear it for another six months because I'm on (laughs) episode... One o eight parasite Eve in twenty nineteen right now, oh, man. well, when you get here, drew here, here it is
1: yeah, oh, uh, sheets uh, come on, oh uh, well, I mean i I always the reach of of, of sheets I am quite unaware of because I've had people you know, I've brought them up to people like I've encountered from work that that have moved from other areas. Um, and I, I wouldn't have thought they were there. They sometimes they reach a little further north than I think, sometimes they go a little further out west than I think. Um, no, Sheets is just, I, it, it, I, I believe it started off. Uh, you would think it's a gas station that serves food, but apparently, Sheets was more of like a food place that over time tacked on a convenience store, tacked on the gas station. Um, and they have got, uh, I, it's. It's not fine cuisine. I'll tell you that. It's greasy. I I don't think there is a healthy item on the menu. Um, Fuck all. If you don't walk into the sheets at about 1 a.m., you know, they'll give you a a cup of of curly fries and chicken strips. They'll make those monstrous sandwiches where they just take one of everything back there and throw it on the damn top of it. Um, it's pretty good I, I I would dare say the sheets has got some pretty damn good food um, of that type uh, Kind of that late night drunk you know you want a little something before you get dropped off at home and you just get a big bag of sheets and come home and just have at it yeah uh, I, I can attest to many of the sandwiches the burgers ain't bad um, fucking hot dogs ain't bad. Uh the chicken is where it's at though. Uh those chicken strips and the boom boom sauce. Oh, you can't go wrong.
0: Yeah, sheets is is a if you're gonna talk about gas station food as if it's a place you go to eat, which is how I eat, um it's <laughs> Sheets and Wawa and Royal Farms are kind of the big three, depending on the geographic yeah. area you're in, yeah. that are this kind of thing. It's it's a nicer gas station that has uh, you know, inside you go into order and it's not just like, oh yeah, they have these pre-made sandwiches in a microwave. Like, it, they they mm-hmm. make them fresh for you. So, uh, Wawa normally does, they have hot subs too, but they're really mainly subs. That's what Wawa does. And then mm-hmm. Royal Farms does subs, but really their thing is they have fried chicken. And their fried chicken rules. I love it. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I'd say it's it's pressure cooked, so it's a different kind of chicken, like fried chicken, than like a Bojangles or Popeyes, but it's really good. It's my favorite of, of the local chicken places near me is, is a Royal Farms. And then uh, sheets is kind of this Frankenstein thing where they do make subs and they make burgers and they make chicken fingers and all this other stuff, but they're like Billy kind of hinted at. They also will just make, like, here's a burger with chicken strips and mozzarella sticks on it. You're like, why, why would you want that? But at 1.30 <laughs> yeah. in the morning, you're like, you know what? I want the hell out of that. And, yeah, and that's the benefit it. of all of these. They're all open 24 hours, so it's you know, at two in the morning, what are you going to eat? It's one of these three things, depending where you are. I think of Sheets normally as more of a Pennsylvania. They're in Western Maryland. Um, I, we're not all from the South. Billy is is more from the South than, than Jeremy and I. Mm-hmm. I'm on the on the East Coast. I'm around Washington, D.C. So if you're in Boston, it sounds like I'm from the South, but I don't consider myself living in the South. I'm just mid-Atlantic. I don't know what you want to call that. And, and Jeremy's kind of uh, Midwest. So. Uh, the, these are, are geographically located things, but there's similar places anywhere you go. A Sheets is just one that notably is as greasy and gross in the great way Woo. and is open all day long.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and we don't actually have any cool gas stations here in the Midwest, as far as I know. I mean, you've got go to go south to get to some of that good stuff, so... Uh, if you got any uh, favorite gas stations where you live, let us know. because we, <laughs> we I, I need places to go when I go south. I got a friend that lives down in Tennessee now, so if you have got places down there that I should check out down that way, let me know. I will gladly stop and just get the worst things ever and eat them. So, I've always been jealous of Texas because they got Bucky's down there, and mm. I hear constantly amazing things about Bucky's. Jealous about that. We don't have sheets. You know, you guys have sold that to me instantly. So I, I'm, I'm jealous. We don't have I'm
1: that looking stuff. forward. I'm looking forward to a lot of hot gas station talk here uh, in 2022. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Let us know. You got your favorite gas station? What, <laughs> what weird illegal foods do they make that you can buy? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Thanks, Drew, for writing in. Our next question comes in from King Hippo's Pepperoni Nipples, and he wants mm. to know about white whale consoles. Happy New Year, Retrovaniacs! I know we all collect retro games, but I feel like everyone has that one console that they don't collect for but want to and just can't because of crazy cost, or lack of space, or a dozen other reasons. Sometimes it's not even a good console, but you just want it. For me, I have a very weird nostalgia for the Atari Jaguar. I never owned one, never even Mm. played one, and I know that is a pretty shit console, but I remember wanting one as a kid and used to pour over Mm -hmm. previews of games like Alien vs. Predator in gaming magazines dreaming of what it could be. Mm -hmm. I also think it being a cartridge-based console is also what's appealing to me right now. Anyway, what about you guys? What are your white whale consoles? Thanks as always, you guys are pretty all right. Uh,
3: that man, that's our right. that's
0: our slogan for 2022. Retro maniacs, <laughs> we're pretty all right.
3: Pretty, pretty okay.
1: all right. I mean, that's a good spot to be in, I think. But um, I, I man, I have a couple. I, I, every now and then, I I start eyeballing that 3DO. I really do, and, and I don't know why. Yeah, no, it's good console. Bye. Yeah, but it's it's not cheap. I mean, it's not cheap at all. I would I would have to pay the price to get a pretty good 3do library put together um, at this point, but yeah, it, it was one of those where it was just a it was just fascinating to me and like I didn't even get to play much of it at all. I, I have put very little time hands on um, into the 3do um, like it's just just something we didn't see where I, where I lived. Uh, it, it certainly wasn't in the stores locally. Um, you know, the games were never in the video store. You couldn't couldn't even rent the console. Um you're just out of luck. But I, I would just look at the magazine. You know, magazine, it would have 3DO games. It looked incredible. It's just like the arcade. And yeah, that that was one of those that, that stuck in the back of my mind growing up that I always wanted to 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 get and play. And it's something that even now I'll be at a store, and yeah, you know, I, might, I might see a 3DO in a still in the box, and you know, then I might see the price tag on it, and I'll say, "Well, another day." I need to catch a, I need to catch a fucking yard sale where some old person is, is selling it that a has 3DO. No <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I need to. Good luck. With um, that. That's tough. Yeah, one. some old, some old lady that thinks it's a damn DVD player or something like that. Um, my my time will come. I, I'm I'm gonna get that figured out. Um, if I could, I, I also, every now and then I get an itch to, to, to grab up Saturn cause I, I never had that Saturn and it, it had some games on it that appealed to me a little bit. Um, and, and of course I would have to import in the, uh, the Saturn, uh, remake of mansion of hidden souls. Um, if I did get it. Um, but no, those are the two. That kind of have 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 hung over me over the years. Saturn's a little more realistic, I think. I it you know, it's still gonna cost a little bit, but I don't know. I, I
0: maybe one day. Yeah, Saturn was the one I was going to say. I I've, I wanted one. I, I got to play mm-hmm. one that was new. I had friends, a, a couple friends with them that I, I got mm-hmm. to play a few games, but there's a lot of stuff I never got to play that I wanted to. The downside is not only is finding a working Saturn that's going to be in good shape hard. Any game I want is going to be a billion dollars. So I, I still would get it, but yeah, right now for the cost and everything, there's no chance. I also always wanted a Lynx. I never got to play the Atari mm. Lynx, and that's one that mm-hmm. even when I worked... You know, back at the, at the electronics boutique for five years during kind of when all this stuff was out, we didn't even carry the links. I think we had some games in the corner, but we never sold the system uh, when I was there, at least. And, and I always wanted it. The closest I came is that actually in the last two weeks, I've acquired an Evercade and uh, the Evercade handheld, hey. and I bought the Lynx collection that has Chips Challenge, so I've been playing some Chips Challenge, <laughs> which for what I can tell is the only reason you want to play an Atari Lynx. Uh, so I, I, the other games on there are, are not great. Uh, there's a couple that are fun, but there's like a bad version of California games, and it's probably a fine version of California games, but who wants to play California games? Uh, and, and some shooters that are In the world of shooters, not very good, even for a handheld. But hey, it's neat that I finally get to play these in a handheld version. It's as close as I'm going to get without finding a Lynx, so that's kind of cool.
2: You know, I I always wanted a Game Gear as a kid, but I don't know if I really want to buy one. I always see them, like, in pretty good shape, sometimes even in the box for decent Mm -hmm. prices. Mm -hmm. You know, even for, like, around, like, 80 bucks. And I'm always tempted, but there's only, like, maybe two or three actual game gear games that i've played that i would want to play on it so i don't know that one, that one's kind of up there um god maybe turbo graphics
1: i hey. always wanted turbo graphics i know Yeah, oh, boy i know i what games what t- games are what fucking games you going to get for it uh well the one i really want
2: is actually for the cd and that's a uh, dracula x so uh, that's something else i would have to purchase along with it and <laughs> If you've ever looked at the Turbo Graphics, that's expensive enough and and buying that CD add-on with it just kind of shoots it mm. into the stratosphere. I guess one as I guess it's more of a service back then. I can't buy it anymore. I always wanted the Sega Channel. Yeah. I know that doesn't really count, <laughs> but I thought that was the coolest fucking thing on earth as a kid. I begged my dad to get that. He was like, "No. no. <laughs> He's, this looks too bad." Yeah. Uh, so I never got that, and never got to play the the Genesis version of Mega Man. But I guess if there's one that I saw as a kid that I was really interested in, just because it it was what it was, was the Sega Pico. I don't know if you guys. Oh remember. Wow. Yeah, yeah. The, the educational yeah. system. Yeah. Yeah, it was like a yeah education system. You, you know, it was kind of like you just interactive storybooks and stuff like that. I thought it was neat as a kid. Not that I really wanted it. But Mm -hmm. growing up, the more I saw it, I was like, that would be kind of fun to have. And eventually, I went over to my brother's, and he actually has one uh, on display in like a glass case. And I was just looking at it. I was like, man, that's really stupid. So I'm really kind of glad (laughs) I never got it. It's just a really big, you know, looks like a kid's toy or something. Mm -hmm. It is. It was. It was a kid's toy. And and what it could do was very limited. And I think most of them are broken by now because you had to use a stylus to use it. But I always thought that was actually really neat because of just how little it was advertised, especially coming from something like Sega. You know, they were pretty on their game back then. So it, it was very rare to see that. And if you ever see a Sega Pico, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I won't say buy it, but at least maybe check it out and, and just uh, appreciate it for how weird it is. Mm-hmm. Okay, but yes, thank you, King Hippo's Pepperoni Nipples, for writing in. Maybe eventually we'll get those. I will say the Sega Saturn is actually really affordable these days. You know, the, the console itself, I think you can get for around like 150 bucks, and the import games for it are not that expensive, unless you're mm-hmm. going for some, some crazy rare stuff. So uh, now is a good time to check out a Sega Saturn if you're wanting to. Next question comes in from the anti-Billy Mitchell. He's writing in, in defense of (laughs) Pac-Man. Love the show and everything you do. I enjoyed the Pac-Man, I enjoyed the Pac-banter last episode, and if you like both NES Pac-Man and Championship Edition, I would like to recommend NES Pac-Man Championship Edition. This impressive ROM hack is fully playable on the NES hardware and even makes use of the Famicom's additional FM sound channels. Namco mm. Bandai were so impressed that they picked it up and released it as a part of an official compilation a few years back. Mm. I adore this version and prefer it to both the NES Pac-Man and the original Championship Edition. Just a little recommendation for me. P.S. You are all incredibly handsome human beings. Happy New Year. P.P.S. pac is an all-time great. Preach it, Billy.
1: Yeah! All right, now. Yeah, um, yeah, uh, you know what? Uh, whatever, whatever he just said was good. I think it's good too. It's great. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some more of that. I yeah, I mean anything's better than the original fucking Pac Man. Um, but no champion. uh, You know when it got when they put that one out several years back, that crazy one was that Championship Edition where it was just it's kind of it's fucking wet and wild on that one. It was wasn't the standard Pac Man. I felt like it, it had it a lot more bells and like, whistles. Yeah, yeah, you're going around and, and being, you know, it's like Pac-Man on steroids. You're, oh, I you love got, that. That's yeah, that's nice. better. That's be- I can handle that. So if this is, I, I'm assuming this is like a an NES version of that. That could be pretty cool. I, I haven't actually. Yeah. I, I
2: think I know the collection he's talking about because I remember seeing it, and mm-hmm. I was like, what. That I don't know. I didn't know it was a ROM hack. I haven't really kept up on that. Mm. But yeah, if that's uh, you know if, if it's well done, and I guess it must be if it's on a collection, I'd I'd actually like yeah. to play that.
0: You know what's one was yeah, really yeah. cool for a Pac-Man variant. I know Billy is going to say no, but uh, the Pac-Man verse game they put out for the GameCube it was like a pack-in with one of the Adventures of Pac-Man games. It was based on the cartoon, and it was set up so that on the TV. You were the ghosts, and you could only see a little portion of the screen, so you'd have to wander hmm. around and, and try to capture Pac-Man, but you can't see everything. But Pac-Man would be on a Game Boy Advance screen because he'd have the Game Boy Link oh, cable, wow. and he would see the entire screen. And so it would be the idea of, like, you're playing against your friends uh, trying to you know, capture Pac-Man. That was a really fun game. It's one of the ones I still have. I have yet to play it with four <laughs> people because I don't have a working Game Boy Advance and a Link cable, but if I did, I would pull it out and impress
1: everybody. That sounds neat. And yeah, I, I just looked up some video of that and it is it is that it's that championship edition, just uh eight bit style. So that is pretty cool. Um, and, and and Jeremy P, even that one you're talking about sounds neat. You know, the thing with Pac-Man is whatever you can do to spice it up. I It's like a fucking it's a piece of plain, you know, no <laughs> nothing put on it, unseasoned, you know, just white chicken, white meat chicken and god the more you can put on there more seasoning you can put on it more sauce you can find to tip the damn thing in to where it's palatable that's how you got to go about pac-man well some of us just like gnawn
2: into a fresh out of some like boiling water chicken breast and yeah that's (laughs) that's what i'm getting with original pac-man and by just
1: just a piece of boiled chicken
2: it just comes out pale white. It, Man, ugh. Uh, it smells like water somehow. Yeah. Uh, it's just, you know, yeah. it is it is what it is. I, I love it. I love the original Pac-Man. So, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I do. I, I love the variants of it. Anything you can do to to change that around. And there are a lot of things you can do to change Pac-Man around, to be fair. It's usually a success because it's it was such a great foundation, a, such a great blueprint of what a video game should be. It's hard to mess up, so uh, yeah, I'll have to check that out. So, thank you, the anti Billy Mitchell, for writing in. Mm-hmm. Uh, we all love some Pac Man here, even if some of us don't doesn't enjoy the the classics. We'll say.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Next, next question comes in from Plain Mech, and he's writing in to ask if we're feeling like a badass. Hey, guys, over the years, I'm sure we all played games that made us feel empowered and like an absolute badass. From overpowered moves to characters you control that are just unstoppable. For me, the two that came to mind was Dante's Inferno. That that one's a weird one. I haven't heard of it. I completely forgot that game existed. God almighty. And Prototype 2. Yeah, it's a good one. Both for the Xbox 360. Do you guys know of any other games that give off the same powerhouse vibe? Thanks, and keep up the badass podcast.
1: Oh, you, you gotta go crack down all the way. Um, crack! It's yeah. almost unfair. It's almost unfair. At times, <laughs> it crack down. Uh, just, j- just how dominant you're down. one and two. Uh, that, ooh, that third one was a little rough. Um, but I, I got that. That game, it's so much fun just to get on there, just to throw these enemies halfway across the fucking town. Give them the boot, I, and you got guns. Also, on top of that, you don't. Even, you probably don't even need them. But yeah, that game, just in general, even the way you you traverse the city, you know, <laughs> as fast as you can run, as high as you can jump, jumping just from from building to building. Um, I, that game definitely, I I think does the best job of of kind of making you making you feel I uh, feel awful fucking indestructible. Um. And there was also, about the time Prototype came around, I, I would put maybe once you've leveled up a little bit in it, but certainly Infamous also, I feel, does it. Maybe not necessarily right at the beginning, um, but after you've unlocked some of those powers as you play through, uh, I, you're just, you know, there's nothing stopping you. Uh,
0: I know you mentioned uh, Plane Mech. I know Plane Mech mentioned... Uh... Prototype 2, but in the same vein, that Incredible Hulk game for the Xbox... And
2: SPS. Mm, yeah, that was cool. Yeah.
0: Uh, ultimate destruction. Like that was one where yeah. you could lose, you could die. And especially there were times where you just got overloaded. But they mm-hmm. had to overload you like an army. Like the Hulk in general is supposed to be this unstoppable machine, and you do feel like it. For early on, you're just driving through the city, just picking up tanks and throwing at other tanks till they explode. Incredible. Uh that's a good one. Uh for for more current games that I think you you start out and feel even from the get-go-like you're just a badass, is all the regular non-boss combat in any yak is a game? Like, you feel like you're just shredding people. Especially, like, in in Zero is the last one I played. And literally from the first fight on, you're just smashing people into the ground, and it feels good. You just feel unstoppable. Then you get to a boss, and it's, it's actually pretty tough. But up until those points, the regular street encounters, you feel like an unstoppable fighting machine.
2: I would go with the infamous games were were really good. I mean, just about any newer game where you play as a, you know, kind of Mm -hmm. a superhero, they do a pretty good job of, of making you feel like you're a superhero. Uh, more recently though, Billy mentioned it earlier, but control does a really good job.
1: Oh Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Once you're powered, once you're powered up.
2: Yeah. At the start of the game, not so much, but you know, once you get like, you know, even just one, a quarter of the way through, you start getting these powers. Mm. And they're really satisfying. No, <laughs> I yeah. don't. For a game that I played so much and, and just it, it never got old. Finding things to throw into enemies' faces, it was just always hilarious. And the physics are really good. It's it's just a hell of a fucking game to make you feel like you're you're some kind of overpowered badass. Um, but yeah, I, that's really about all I can think of besides Crackdown. I mean, that's obviously the favorite. That's I, I love any game like that. That. Really make the where you can level yourself up to the point of being so overpowered that the rest of the game doesn't matter. I think there's at one point where you can level up your jump, where you can just jump for you know (laughs) all the way to the top of a skyscraper. Yeah, never got old, and it it also didn't hurt that you know there was all those little little orbs to collect around and and show off some of that jumping ability. So Yeah. uh, yeah, that was really good. Uh, Thanks, Plain Plain Mac, for writing in. Yeah, those are those are great Mm -hmm. games. I thank you for reminding me that Dante's Inferno existed. I never played that one, but I remember all the the hype that was around it because I had someone that was working at GameStop at the time, and uh, they were playing like a uh, Dante's Inferno commercial, and it would loop like every like minute or so. So by the time my friend would get home, she was like, "I can't. I don't ever want to hear about Dante's (laughs) Inferno again." (laughs) Uh, But anyway, last. Question we're going to do for this episode to start off 2022 with is from Seriously. seriously, And he writes in to say, uh, quote unquote, best time travel game. At the end of your end of the year podcast, one of you, JP, no, it was actually me, stated the best time travel game ever made was Shadows of Destiny. I'll start off by mentioning Chrono Trigger or Telltale's Back to the Future or really literally any other mm. game that mm. mentions time or travel. Shadows of Destiny is an unplayable mess. I bought it years ago because it made because it I bought it years ago because it was made out to be a hidden gem on the PS2. It wasn't. I wish I'd never read that list. The man that wrote it deserves to have his wife leave him for his brother and his son to forever refer to his uncle as dad. Please replay even <laughs> an hour of it. It definitely doesn't hold up. Uh, yeah, that was me. Uh, I've mentioned Shadows of Destiny before, but what I was. This probably doesn't help that we were like, what, 12 questions into a drunken mess of a podcast at the very end of it. And what I was trying to say when I mentioned Shadow of Destiny was that it was the best time travel game that actually used time travel as its core gameplay mechanic. Now, I haven't played Back to the Future from Telltale. They usually do it OK, well, uh, it's that.
1: fucking it's uh, maybe it gets good. I don't know. Um, you know, it's one of those you play a lot of it and they're like, oh, it's about to get good. But you start to doubt whether that get good parts ever coming. It's OK. Um, they definitely t- tighten that game, tighten those games up. Like, you know, with the Walking Dead ones and whatnot later on, you know, Wolf Among Us and whatnot. But um, that Back to the Future, ooh, it just played a little played a little slow for me. It is play, and I love. That's a, a a property that I absolutely love. But it it played a little slow for me. But I, maybe I should go back. I that was years ago. I'm uh, you know, I'm a different person now. I got a little more patience. Was, I think they could do a good job of, of actually using
2: time travel to maybe you know, uh, change some things around. I that was what they did really well with The Walking Dead and, and their other games. So I could see that. But th- the reason I mentioned Shadows of Destiny was. I don't think it's a good game these days. It probably is a mess to, pr- to play, but it takes time travel so seriously as like the core mechanic of the game to the point where it has like two separate clocks running as like one's a present day when you die and then there's one for the current time period you're in and having to use those clocks to figure out what you need to do, who you mm. need to talk to, to alter what you're doing in the present to get the uh, Mm. outcome that you want. And there's like 10 different endings to that thing because of just how many different ways you can change it. That's the entire game. There's no fighting. There's no action. It's all about going to like, I think it's like three different time periods, changing things around and getting the present back to where you don't die. That's the time travel game. That's you using time travel as Mm. a thing to make (laughs) <laughs> the the outcome, how you want it to be. Of course, Chrono Trigger is a better game. <laughs> it's a way better game. Just about any other game out there that has time travel in it is probably a better game than Shadows of Destiny. It's just most of those games it has time travel integrated into as a story element and not so much how you're playing the game. You know, it's for Chrono Trigger, I think there's really only a couple of things that you can change by the end of the game, as far as like character, what characters are there with you. But otherwise, you're always going to the same locations. You're fighting the same bosses. It's just wrapped in a really cool time travel wrapper. And that's fine. I love that stuff. But yeah, when we were talking about that, as far as like an actual time travel game and using time travel to change things, that's why I said Shadows of Destiny. So I... Again, I haven't played it in years, so it probably is a mess. And I think it's actually on the PSP as well. I always wanted to play that version of it. So, mm. um, yeah, I I, th- I still think it's a neat game. What, why do I, why do I have to justify these games? To, I don't have to. I don't have to explain. I think Shadows mm-hmm. of Destiny is a cool game. Eat my yeah head. So that's yeah. That's how we're going to start 2022 with eating my ass because Shadows of Destiny 2 is a fucking great game. And yeah. I love it. so.
0: Uh, that listener is my yeah. favorite part of the show. It's the best part of the show. Um, well, uh, thank you for the question. Uh, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> Um, and if you have a question for us, since this is the last we're going to do for this episode, you can always go to retrovania.net. And at the very bottom is a question form where you can send us questions, and we will hopefully be slightly less aggressive in answering them than we did Mm-mm. this time. No. Uh, although, no. if you do come at us for our opinions, we <laughs> will probably be year. overly defensive in 2022. Uh, like the I other thing you can do the there new is New Year, New Me. The, the new, more aggressive Jeremy. I'm fine with that. That's right. I'm fine with it. Uh, the other thing you can find on that site is, again, links to all our social media sites. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook, although no one goes on Facebook anymore. And also the Patreon. If you want us to cover your game, much like we did for Tom this week, and the next couple episodes we're going to do are also Patreon picks, uh, join our Patreon. There's directions there on what to do to get us to cover your game. But also you get three bonus episodes a month that are uh, you know, slightly different than the games we're going to do now. They don't have listener mail. They don't have uh, any introductions. Just 30 minutes of solid game discussion three times a month so our next game will also be another patron pick it's going to be an older game than this one and we'll see you next time